Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Yes, today we're joined by Glenn's Vodka Championship Manager of the for March, Derek McKillis! Yes. By the way, how stunning is he? I'm just going to say, no just Manager of the Month, but also the most handsome Manager of the Year we've gave you on Up and Go. No award for that, but is there? He's going to get you an award after that. Yeah. When yeah, the cameras get turned off, you get your award for him. Maybe Mal will come up and bring it up to you. But we need to know, <laughs> how, how do you keep him in such good nick? Oh, it's a constant battle, isn't it? I think, uh, you know, the one thing I really do miss about playing is, is being fit. You know, having that discipline and, you know, constantly having to kind of make sure you are right to perform. You know, I think I miss that. And I, when I think about when I stopped playing, there was no real decision. It just became a player manager and effectively just stopped picking myself. And when I look back now, um, although I had knee injuries and all the rest of it, um, I miss being fit because I needed to be fit to mm-hmm. get by and play. And um, so. Hey, but you, were a, you were a baller, though, you? Talked I, about I could a play, but, you know, obviously. Fitness was a big part. I always felt I was. I always felt the guy I was up against wouldn't have worked harder than me Monday to Friday. And love I loved. That. I loved going onto a pitch on a Saturday, knowing that no matter how good he was, whether we're playing Rangers, Celtic, playing down the road, um, whoever against you're playing, I knew I'd worked harder than him. Mm. Um, so that was important to me. Uh, but now it's just the constant battle. Just try to eat less and do a wee bit when you can. Like you walk with the dogs and stuff like that, and uh, get in a bite occasionally and. But nothing really, because my, li- my knees are, are not good, to be honest. Mm. My knees are rotten. To Only be downside of his management, never ever try to sign his mate. That's a good thing. That's why he is the manager. Oh, he is. I just never <laughs> thought we could have afforded you. No, I don't. That's a few managers that have said that. Yeah. That was Alexander that said that as well. But see, DLC just don't say, obviously, yes, there's a big announcement. Going to be your first job. Yeah. Any advice for him on that? I take it, you're going to stop playing? I don't know. See, I think you should, to be honest. No, no, because you'll probably be your best player um, at, at your club. I don't know who you're going to be signing and what squad you're putting together, but I just don't think you can do it. I, I look back at player managers, successful player managers. Kendall Gleish. I'm putting myself as a Douglas. Kendall Gleish had all that boot room <laughs> support, you know, all that infield support, Graham Souness and Walter and and the like. Um, but there's very few that, that can can do both, I think. Mm-hmm. Your, your head's like a toy shop mm-hmm. on the pitch and you're constantly trying to improve others and that's your job your manager as a manager is to set your team up to win a game and improve boys 
And if you're constantly still trying to deal with your own side of it, um, I think it's too much. Yeah. You might get away with it for a while and you might want to set the tempo. And That's what I was thinking, Jim, maybe at the start going and do it. Maybe, but I, I don't think it's sustainable, to be honest. Yeah. So, um, well, you're starting, it's exciting for you and it's obviously something you want to get into, but um, I would say it's probably the, the first kind of step towards stopping playing, to mm. be honest. I got on a point about Pataudry as well. Do you remember it? We, we were beating East 3 1 at Dundee. I used to play against it. Was right? about four minutes to go. Hartley was like, right, going. I, I was going through a terrible time at Dundee. He couldn't pass the ball. I blew a jersey. Did you need him, no? Four minutes to go. No, he was a manager. Four minutes to go. Put me on 3 1. Shanklin, it was. Shanklin, two, was it two goals? 3 2, mate. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> no, I've not even touched the ball. 3 3. And it's the fucking Alamo, mate. I don't know how you. You get your man in the match, Mr. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't remember it. I don't remember it. I remember the goal. I remember the finish. Uh-huh. Um, I, didn't think I remember you cheering when was I, I was getting warm, warm, warming up. Boys, you've uh, got a fucking chance he's coming uh, on. No, not at all. Uh, right, Kelly are up, mate. Unbelievable. Did, see, when you first went in there, Dale, did you think I can get this group of players up? Well, I did. I'd went in the... Uh, um, I remember when Tommy lost his job, it came up the ticker tape and I was sitting at home. My wife and I had just got a Chinese animal. And, we just, um, and I hadn't genuinely thought... I was a bit surprised at it. And it wasn't even a thinking of or maybe if I go at that job or whatever, we'd booked to go on holiday. Um, we're thinking about going in, in January. Um, so I was a bit shocked when I seen he'd lost his job. So when it came round and, and Kelly, I was due to have the conversation with Kilmarnock, um, I went and watched a broth Inverness. Uh, and I took the game in and looked at both teams. You could see the qualities of both teams, all the rest of it. And obviously Kilmarnock were, I think, third or fourth at the time. Um, and then I looked at the squad a wee bit more in depth and I thought there was good players there. Um, and there must be a reason why I struggled. Their home form was really poor, considering they were up there. Um, and nobody's won a title or won anything without being strong at home. So <clears throat> I knew we could maybe address that. But once I spoke to the board, um, there were loads of good people there and I felt like it felt all of a sudden more right than no. So, and then once we were in that first day with the boys and just try to drag a wee bit more confidence out of them and, Personality, I think there was a lot of frustration, part of a relegated team, a lot of the fans, maybe no trust in the team at home and things weren't going right. It wasn't perfect for the players and maybe some were getting to their shell, but there was a reason why they weren't performing the way they could have. So we had to address that. And I think the biggest thing for me was the home form. I think we won nine out of ten league games. At, um, and that was a catalyst, really, to, 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 to win in the league. So what a bunch of boys. I mean, I've been involved loads Are of guys. Ah, magic. They're up there. Honestly, it's been... For myself and Dot and Peanut, we've, we love going in, honestly, bounce into work in the morning. They're an absolute pleasure. And it helps when you're winning most weeks. Obviously, you're part of a winning dressing room, but, you know, we try to take, we never try to take that pressure away from them. The pressure was there. There's no point in trying to under, underplay it, but just try to deal with it by being good Monday to Friday, get loads of spirit, loads of enthusiasm, loads of togetherness, set them upright and, you know, putting demands on them. But, no, they're the ones that have got the job done and they deserve so much credit because everybody's saying, I've commanded on the list, I know that. And I heard what everybody was saying. There's three or four better teams in the league. A championship manager actually fought me up three days after getting the job. Um, ex-championship manager, he's played, managed most of his career in there. And, wow. and he says, yeah, well, I think there's about three teams better than Kilmarnock. He says, but all the best. And we had a chat about it. And he started, he says, I just don't know what they are. They've no bit size at centre forward. They've no bit enough pace. They don't pass the ball well enough. No bit enough passes in the team. And he rounded off three teams who he thought were better. So. And they're sitting a, in the house. It was just an honest, it was just an honest opinion. You know what I mean? And, and to be fair, I, um, I respected his opinion. Um, but, you know, I set about the task, try to get a few additions in. 
brought big ass up, brought Kyle in. Uh, I thought we needed more personality, more size in the team. And, and big Kyle, I thought at this level, would score goals. And obviously, he did do that. So we um, we quickly got a bit of confidence into the team. You could see them improving, put a bit more demand on them, but they've been absolutely brilliant. And every dressing room you're involved in when you're successful, you look back with real fondness. I still, I'm still close with a lot of my St. Johnson players and uh, a lot of my Aberdeen players mm-hmm. still message and it'll be the same with these boys in years to come, you know, that we became really close really quickly and I think, I hear these managers saying, oh, you've got to get a distance with your players, I couldn't think it worse, you know, I think the part, we're judged on the performance of others, the managers, yeah. you're, you're judged on who you sign now and who you, so it's it's your job to try and you get, know, the best get the best out of them and be, doing that is by, it's like beating a parent, you know, you can do on them when they need to do them but you give them a cuddle and Encouragement at the right time as well. Everybody, the whole Scottish football almost wanted, it seemed like everybody wanted the ferry to, uh, up yeah, off yeah. To, to win the league and go up. Was that hard for you though? Because uh, they, they just didn't go away, didn't you know? Mm, or did you use it? Every you just to get Not really. I think uh, we, we were just kind of hell-bent on sorting out ourselves, sorting out our own business. We didn't want to depend on anybody. And we've seen the love in for a broth and you know, we got I got that. You know, It is a good story. Um, you look at it a wee bit deeper, you know, that team has been built over three years. Mm. I was trying to put a squad together over three months, really. Um, so they had the benefit of having all that. They're well-paid part-time players. The majority of them could be full-time if they wanted to, but they choose not to be. And, you know, there's so much good about a growth. And you can see that story developing and how everybody wanted it. But, you know, for us, it was just all about... Um, I was there. To, my responsibility was to get command. I knew who I was representing. I knew who was depending on me and who was depending on us. And... That superseded everything and we never really let that come into it. We never really mentioned other teams, to be no. honest. We just try to... So see when managers say like, didn't even look at the results? I, I, Colts, that's a lie, isn't it? Of course it is. Aye, and, I, and you see that. And, Were you expecting them to fall sooner, Dale? No, I thought, do you know what? I thought a both would win their home games. Yeah. Um, their away form was still pretty impressive, but they weren't winning as many in the road, but they weren't losing. Um, and we just, I had done the mass. I felt when we went in, we needed to, to have 10 wins. I thought six to eight points would win the league. And I was what privately said that, um, and uh, the staff. So we were working towards six to eight points and 10 wins. And my 10th win was home to a growth. So, and normally in any walk of life, you're going to have to beat your closest challengers to be successful. And a growth were our, because we beat party at home, we beat Inverness at home, we beat Wraith. So slowly but surely we started to get away from them. But ultimately, if you don't beat your closest challenges, you normally don't win. So mm. we had, it was all in that game, to be honest, you know, so, and we didn't deal with the first half, but second half, you no, know, a true reflection of what I expected is turn up and got the job done. It was a proper finish and, you know, you couldn't have scripted it any better for mm. command. It's a great game, man. So, Some night, that, even the atmosphere was amazing, right? Uh, the, the, the stadium was full, but. I still think I've got a chance of going up. Yeah, so do honest. I. Do you? Because of the home like you said, they don't lose many goals. They're, same, that familiarity at the back. Um, you know, McKenna's a good player. Jack Hamilton can get goals. They're well, they're well set up. So I wouldn't, you wouldn't back against them to have that playoff shot. Mm-hmm. Are they tough to play against? It's, aye, it's tougher up there. And that's why I was annoyed with our first half performance because we'd spoke all week about trying to play a certain way, try to stretch the game, try to play on the outsides of them and, and ask the question of them. Um, try to bypass really a lot of the time their, their, their two banks are four and really make them move and, we didn't really do it. We, we, we get caught up in the emotion of the game, I thought, first half. And then we lose a goal, which sets everybody back, you know what I mean? Right. But second half, I actually thought, right for the outset, we, uh, we, we battered them second half. We did, we did, we dominated the ball. We, we kept asking the question. And I felt if we scored the first goal well enough, we'd, uh, 
we would win the game and that's how it played out but no they've got so many, so much good going for them I, I respected the league there's a lot of teams in the league who I've got a high regard for you know managers and, and, the, and the players and we didn't pretend we were wholly better than anybody else we had work to do we had to convince every day but more, more importantly we had to convince <clears throat> the players to, that were good enough uh-huh. How's Dick on the side? Hard work do you know, I don't know. I mean, you watch him when you watch games and he can be a bit animated, but no, first half he always watches up in the stand, stand didn't he? And to be honest, second half, I didn't, I wasn't, I don't really notice too much uh-huh. of the dugouts. Because um, it was the players after the game, somebody said that you were the calmest guy in the dressing room at half time. I was going to ask his team talk off time. Well, it was bedlam and it was obviously panic because it's like we've got 45 minutes to, it becomes a 45 minute game now. Mm-hmm. You know, everything we'd worked on all week and we were flying it into it. Training was, was great, you know, but sometimes you'll get this as a man, you're never, training's never always an indication. It can give you an indication of it, but we had such a good week to prep, we'd get Rory McKenzie back, we wanted to make sure we get in the team. So I felt we were right, everything was right for the game, but we hadn't played. So uh, second half, it was just a wee reminder of the players at half time that, you know, to get back to what we were, we were spoke about. And sometimes, you know, the emotion, the, the bedlam that goes on, probably the enormity of, we made an ass of this, but we're not going to win this, and mm. that will kill us. And you know the fallout for all that. And once you half time came at the right time for us, because I needed to to be able to say that to them and, and just say, look, just start passing the ball and training. You stick it to each other, guys up your ass. You just still take responsibility. And right for the outset, you like to see him again, and you're mm-hmm. always McKenzie's. We started to play, and um, we got our goals, thankfully. It's an achievement, mate. Uh-huh. How was it? What was the after it? We were pretty quiet. My my wife and my oldest boy were down. My old is that is Jack your oldest now? Jack, yeah. Uh-huh. So Jack was down. Uh, he was busting to get involved and have a drink, but he had to drive <laughs> my car home. So um, with a few beers, the players were lively, and I think they went on into Kilmarnock. But um, Dot and Peanut had um, they drove up up the road back to Broughty Ferry. I was quiet really. Um, went up to the boardroom with a couple of beers afterwards uh, when we were out addressing him, and then. We'd, we'd already set in place. Um, players never knew, but we were all meeting Sunday. Um, so we're having brunch, breakfast, uh, liquid breakfast at the club. Oh, um, can you be a liquid breakfast? Nah, can you? Someone <laughs> you know, so every Sunday we're doing it. So we um, <laughs> Friday as well. So we set up eleven o'clock, probably part, and one of the suites. All the boys together, and then went into a beer garden, Kilmarnock. So and then up the tune. So it was good to celebrate every day together. Do you know what I mean? So, Sensational. And then the boys did away in Spain now. Oh, yeah. Then, yeah, I was throwing all sorts of, sorts of them. We'll get you a holiday, we'll get you a bonus. <laughs> Just win the league. league yeah. We Burke's <laughs> t shirt in the pool, ain't he? We ginger, ain't he? We Burke, he's not away. He's, oh, not away. he's too sensible. He's, he's, that, he's coaching it? the 18s, he's helping the 18s at the minute. So, uh, good. He's, uh, he's not away. No, it's Neat, nice. I should be laughing at him. I've interviewed him, met him a couple of times. Funny, funny boy. What is what is a conversation like with Kyle laughing at when you're trying to convince him to sign for a football club? Do you know what? It's. Uh, you hear all the stories um, about Kyle. I, I'd actually tried to take him to Bristol City. Um, he might not remember it. Um, and obviously he's not a tighter striker you, boy you could take to Aberdeen, but I always admired him. Um, he's, uh, and I thought he'd be great for us. So when I, when we met the first time, I um, sneaked him in the door and I said, look, uh, how do you feel about it? He said, no, I would like to come back and all the rest of it. And I'd spoke to a few people involved in the Northern Ireland set up and they said, look, Kyle, we could write a million stories about Kyle. You know what I mean? And, he says, but there is a switch with him. Come game day, there's a switch with him. He's, he's on it. He'll give you and he's, he, he produces for you. And I felt that. I mean, you don't play 87 times for Northern yeah. Ireland without having been a level of player. But, you know, he, he is like a 34-year-old Wayne, Monday to <laughs> Friday. And sometimes you need to kind of, you hear what's going on and, and all the rest of it. But I'm talking about that personality. I, 
I, I would never shy away from signing boys like yeah. that. I love boys like that, you know, I signed Jody Morris, Michael Dubry, boys who had a wee bit of reputation, a wee bit, but all these boys were, were brilliant and laugh. I would put in the same kind of category as, um, you know, he's, uh, he, he, he always keeps you on your toes, but I, I think he's respectful enough. Um, to his work and what he needs to do but a brilliant teammate so popular with the boys mm. 30 year old when sounds like 34 year old yes I, have I, 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 I know how you feel Dale I'm not looking after bullshit. him <laughs> some managers don't shy away from characters like that I definitely do why do you think they feel challenged or see when you go on all these LMA courses now they'll say how to deal with that maverick player the one maybe it's not always it's maybe the one personality one that doesn't do doesn't conform to everything or maybe the one the team who doesn't work as hard as anybody else and you would never aim that at laugh laugh What's hard, he trains, he's tr people used to say to me, oh, no train, no train Thursday, Friday. Trained all the time for me. So, whether that's him, whether there's a change in him from what we got, but he's, uh, he's really responded, he's, he stepped up. And then the big games, you know, these types of people, you need them. You know, mm -hmm. it's like the bigger the games, the bigger the performance. Mm. You get some boys who are training ground internationals Monday to Friday and then they, you don't see them on a Saturday. Because I always think laugh turns up, you mm. know what I mean? He, he's there. I was definitely one of them training grounds. Were you? Monday, Friday. Aye. Uh, I'm obsessed. Nothing worse as a manager, is it? Well, I, I've loads of players over the years that worked with, and you could be convinced to play them through their training. There's also boys who I've worked with, I'm thinking, like, do you know what? Don't look at their training because they'll be all right Saturday. Um, and it's hard that because yeah. every bone in your body says, you need to train better. He's murder or any chance. But then a Saturday turns up, he's the one that gets you to go. I had a few like that. Um, St Johnston, the few like that uh, as a manager at different times and sometimes I've always had the feeling that you can't always play your way into the team through your training you know what I mean because the team might be doing well and there's somebody better than you in that position but you can play your way out of the team yeah. someday if, if you're not training right and you're cutting corners and you're having a lazy day and I'll no stand for I'll no accept bad practice I'll no I, I like to carry on I like to laugh and a joke with my team but when it gets to that stage where bad practice and, and disrespectful to whoever the coach is delivering it. It's not happening. Yeah. So people have got to train right. They've got to accept the demand of what we're doing. But sometimes there's boys who just don't train as train well. You know, there's boys who, a lot of the quicker players on the wee tight possessions and that. Mm. I was after I've never uh, kicked a ball before. You know, and I played with boys like that and yeah. I've managed boys like that. But come a Saturday, bigger pitch, big occasion, we deal with the game. Mm -hmm. Big names, I love hearing about the big names, Dubray and Morris. Well, Morris was a player, wasn't he? Aye, Jody was brilliant. I, I was a few big time shouts with you. I think there was a time he was, Jody was, would have been a bit leery and all the rest yeah. of it. And I mean, but he was a boy, wasn't he? At Chelsea, he grew up in a, a, a big era. And, but I was, I went to Millwall and Jody was injured. He'd done his cruise shit and um, he was in the gym all the time dedicated, battered himself, you yeah. know, he was a fit boy and we became really tight and friends and then obviously when I left Millwall, come back to St Johnson, got the job, I said to Jody, um, he, he wasn't playing and I said, you want to come up and do his turn? And I said, eh, it's 700 quid a week and he's like, don't worry about the money. I says, can you get my flight to get back to see Lou and the kids every couple of weeks? I said, aye, we'll put up your accommodation. So I says to Jeff Brown, can we, can we bring him up? And he went, aye, just go and get it done. And what a sign he was. He, he was, was he ran yeah. the dressing room. That's amazing, isn't it? That? Small in stature, but walk into the dressing room, he, he owned it. Mm -hmm. He Everybody respected him. Uh, the softest feet to play, Camus, running to Park Heed, running to Ibrox, had his cell. No, there was nothing facing Chest was it, man. Uh, he was brilliant, absolutely brilliant. Do you see when you um, left Aberdeen, were you actually to get straight back into a job or did you actually feel the time 
you benefited for that? No, I wasn't itching. Um, I actually had a couple of opportunities, more or less right away. Um, a, a good League One club in England um, had offered us a chance to come in, uh, and it was only a week. And I thought, Do you know, what? no, I need. I felt as if um, I was looking forward to the break. To be honest, I think sometimes when you're 14 years constant as manager, you were eight years at Aberdeen, and I was all in at Aberdeen. I loved Aberdeen. You know, mm-hmm. it's. I mean, there's a lot of. Um, if you believe how certain people's stories of how it played out, but Aberdeen was so good to me, so rewarding and so enjoyable, to yeah. be honest. It was a brilliant story. For for seven and a bit years, it was a brilliant story. The, the way it played out at the end was disappointing, but it doesn't always finish well mm-hmm. for people. So, um, But by and large, it was brilliant. But I actually felt, you know, from the outside, once I was on the outside, I'm thinking, you know, although COVID was still there with travel restrictions and stuff, just wanted to go and get a couple of breaks and, and spend a bit of time in the family. So I was 10 years really away, almost two years at Bristol, eight years Aberdeen. So you're traveling all the time. So as a consequence of that, you know, yeah. you're, you're just constantly working. You know, you just felt I was an Aberdeen manager. You know so did you just stay in Aberdeen? So I stayed uh, a couple of nights during the week up at Stonehaven. I had a place here. My wife would come up on a Friday for the home games. And again, all my family were, you know, they supported it. It was yeah. like right into it, you know, we, um, and you don't, you don't invest yourself in a club like that. Uh, for so long because Aberdeen never keep managers that length of time mm. you know so um, but there's different ways I um, take real pride in how we managed to be so consistent so good four second place finishes and we would have been a fifth second place if it hadn't been Steve McLean referee gained my lower goal in my first year honestly ridiculous decision. <laughs> was that the one they got in Europe last day was it Craig Reid that scored Aye, Craig right. Reid putting you out of Europe is that his... Jamie Langfield got absolutely <laughs> smashed last minute injury time so it been five second place finishes in eight years um, so that was good going we cup final after cup final Europe every year but it's not just a trophy I know we only won one trophy and fans you know tangible success it's trophies in it and that's what it's a bugbear we didn't yeah. do more and we come up against Rogers, Brendan Rodgers to sell it team who were, were outstanding um, on a lot of occasions and it, we fell short but there was other opportunities but I look at how do you judge success it's like I look at the international team it's full of boys that we developed and worked with um, we Jacko and Scott Wright playing a European semi final night. Ken McLean, Ryan Christie now and playing the Premier League. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. Shinny, Big McKenna probably make a chance going to the Premier League. So you've made boys better as well as getting second place finishes. And it is, yeah, it's yeah. like developing players, yeah. working close with players. But prize money, we were bringing in millions every year to Aberdeen on prize money. Millions. Um, you know, through league performance, league position, um, guaranteed European games at home, maybe two or three of them, semi finals, cup finals constantly bringing money into the club so you know it was a good story there and working with good people it was a proper club work everybody working together for the chairman to uh, the girls in the kitchen the cleaners stadium managers everybody we all worked brilliantly it was a good story we turned mm. we got a good thing going up at Aberdeen and uh, you know I'm not having this how it played out in a section of the fans didn't like it as always the case when you're there too long sometimes people just get fed up with your mm. voice and change is good you know and, and I felt that it was probably the right time to move as well but I was hoping to wait to the end of the season but didn't get the luxury of that um, <clears throat> and this whole thing about um, the style and all the rest of it we had, we've always had a good team at Aberdeen we've, we've never changed style what we did have the last season people say ah oh, the last year wasn't a great style and we lost Cosgrove um, to injury in pre-season done his, his knee but that's that summer we lost McKenna to Forest for a few mm. million quid and then we sold Sam Cosgrove and we did get him back fit we sold him for a couple of million in the January but up until that 
uh, that season. We were getting plaudits for how we were playing. It was Hedges, Scott Wright, and Marley Watkins behind McCrory, uh, in front of McCrory and Ferguson. That that five centrally were outstanding. Yeah. Um, we were sitting, I think, on Boxing Day at the halfway stage in third place on 38 points. Now, if you put that in equation of how well Hearts have done this year, they were in the same games, 33 points this year. So we were doing all right, mm. but all of a sudden it was like, wasn't it good enough? All of a sudden it wasn't good enough to, to be where we were and we needed more. And we lost Scott Wright uh, with a double hair there. We lost Hedges with injury and then they eventually sold Scott Wright and then we lost Marley Watkins in the semi-final in Celtic. And we needed help in January. Yeah, tough, and yeah. We never got help. I never got help in January. We, we identified the players. And if we had got the help we needed in the January, we would have finished third. There's mm. no question. Um, but we didn't. And, uh, and time moves on. You know, we've got to move on. I think when, change, when clubs change owner, they're normally a change of manager. And that's just fitter. Even that with your, the six players that you've mentioned in your midfield attack, but you always had two fullbacks that would get high as well. Shane yeah. Morgan, so you're, you're always attacking with eight players. We tried to, you know, and latterly when we played a back five that last year with Johnny as a wing back, back and uh -huh. we play a lot of time like a winger at right wing back, yeah. whether it was me, Matt Kennedy or um, uh, Conor McLaren. We, we tried to be as positive as we could. So with three centre backs, um, it gives us a size in the team and give us that wee bit of protection. But we tried to play a wee bit more off the cuff and we tried to play um, with a bit more freedom and a bit more pace in the team. Um, with what we had and, I, and to be honest it was working we were third as I said mm. to you up until that stage but we needed help because Cosgrove was leaving and we needed we needed a number nine we were lacking goals in, in that last wee period and we were limping towards January to be honest and we needed to bring people in I'd identified people to bring in and we never managed to get them in uh, You said you were wanting the break but you surprised how long it took to get back in? Uh, no because I, I genuinely uh, um, no surprise because there was other Few other things had came up, but I kind of batted them away. I was I'd, I was applied for one job uh, uh, down the road that I was close to getting um, uh, at Ipswich. I'd, I'd nearly right. got that one, um, and that kind you of ended up getting that. Paul Cook, wasn't it? No, Cookie's my mate. No, he it was when he lost his job. Cookie, right. um, well, boyfriend McKenna. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, so I'd um, I was pretty close to getting that one, um, but it was again moving for the family and all the rest of it, and. I don't know if I was ready for it. I think what it, what it did tell me being out was I was enjoying being home all the time. Mm. Um, being able to just be spontaneous, uh, go and play golf with the boys, be able to share the load with the training, um, all the demands that they've got and all the rest of it. So it was good being home every day. So um, I actually wasn't itching to get back. I was doing plenty of stuff for TV. I was getting my wee fix for that. But towards the last maybe a few weeks, I was getting a wee bit of dugout envy, going to games and looking at the managers around the game and thinking, it's maybe time to get back in and mm. Kamana were, were uh, good enough to give me that opportunity and and uh, once they'd spoke to me and once they'd offered me I, I, it felt right again I said right I need to get my hands dirty again get back to work his hands are constantly dirty so feel all the time <laughs> heard that <laughs> heard that <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know it drives me crazy though you know, right? But people are so obsessed with talking about we want to play this right way of playing style of playing on a right and maybe there's some of the Aberdeen fans this style of play but I, there's been many managers that have come into this season into Scotland who have supposedly got this amazing style of play but can they create any chances don't score goals and can they win games it's, it's kind of went a bit crazy now the, the way people you know talk every manager's got their I mean for all the pomp and fanfare about what they were going to do at Aberdeen after I left um, you know it, for, where, where's it been they're now onto their second manager with Goody and uh, going in there so and I think it is a bit dangerous to set yourself up to say, I'm not just talking about Aberdeen, I'm talking in general, as you say, Slaney, but 
oh, we're going to do this and we're going to do that. Your job's to win games, you know what I mean? And, and ideally you would like to, I think your job as a manager is to help the team. Whatever you've got in the dressing room is to try and, right, get these boys winning games. Mm. Um, and ideally you would maybe, I like to have pace in my team. I like to have enough pace in the team that can cause teams problems, even the threat of pace. Mm-hmm. Um, you like to have passes. People said that, but my Aberdeen teams were, with proper teams, you know, you don't have, you don't play long ball or direct when you've got Kenny McLean, Graham Shinney, Ryan Jack, Ryan Christie, yeah. James Madison, Gary McKay, Stevens, now McGinn, Johnny Hayes. You know, yeah. you've got to find a way to isolate your pace in the team. You've got good passes in the team. Um, but at times you've got to be pragmatic and get the job done. And, you know, if it means playing a certain way to get over the line, then so be it. And I, speak, I spoke to David Moyes a couple months ago and he was saying how you know, it's almost as if he's seen as a bit of a dinosaur at times because his centre-halves don't take the ball for the goal in the six-yard box. Mm-hmm. And he says, this whole rule of thumb that the defenders are now the guys, and you watch the game in England, who get the most touches and they get you the ball. You see on Sky Sports News. And we used, touches, to always, yeah. we used to always have, look, get defenders to get the ball so they can play. And, no. you know, it's almost kind of turned on its its head that, um, you know, I think what he had said, Davey said, you've got defenders who now who are footballers, maybe midfielders' feet, but maybe don't know how to defend the way traditional defenders defended. So you're asking your fullbacks to be 50 yards for them, centre-halves to be split. And then when they're asked to defend, they don't have the capacity to deal with it. So mm-hmm. if you've got good defenders, 1v1 defenders, then you can be a wee bit braver with your setup. If you want, if you've got um, players with pace at the back, you can go with that high press. Pace, so yeah. it's whatever you've got. And I look at managers a lot of time up and down the country when I'm watching games, and I see them obsessed with how they want to play. They've clearly set up and worked on how to play Monday to Friday. But when it's no going right and their players are looking for help and they're not getting it, their managers still get this kind of, no arrogance is maybe too bad, but this kind of, this kind of opinion, or this is the way we do it. Yeah, this yeah. is the way. It, wait a minute, mate. Your team's getting scudded again. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Deal with the game to help your players out. It's not yeah. about you. Yeah, yeah. And too many, I think, think it's about them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know you would never like to see Aberdeen de- den bad, but does, do you almost feel vindicated with the season that they've had? Do you know what? St- vindicated is a good word for me, than that. You're on the sheet, though. That is on the sheet. sheet. <laughs> um, <laughs> I think he's, I think that, you know, the standards have, have clearly dropped, and that's why there's obviously been a couple of changes now. And, um, but you know, there's good players there. You know, and there's um, good opportunity for a, for Jim now to go in and put his own stamp on things. But there's good players there. I'm still still close with a lot of players. Still close with a lot of the, the support staff, playing staff, and um, uh, um, stadium staff, and all the rest of it. So I know it's been a frustrating season. Um, but it just shows you, you know, in Aberdeen, regardless of what budgets afforded to you and all the benefits you get. You've got to use it right. You've got to still recruitment's got to be good. Good decisions got to be made, and it's the same up and down all over with football clubs. I was, I think Aberdeen had been twice in Europe in ten years before we got there. So this isn't if you don't work right as a club Monday to Friday. If you don't get make good decisions made, then sometimes you don't deliver what you want to deliver and what you're expected of you. And you know what, what you managed to do was try to I think utilise what was afforded to us with better resources at Johnston better budget um, you then take the benefit of that and try and get better players but it's um, it's no easy it's no easy keeping good players we had mm-hmm. to re- I talk about oh, a massive year. rebuild we had a rebuild every year yeah, do you know what I mean crazy, and that's yeah. the job as a manager you're, good players and good teams normally get normally get taken away from you and mm-hmm. that's what was constantly happening so uh, it's, it has been disappointing for them but you know it, I'm 
أنا عم بفدون في أبدين. أفهد متايم. ما ما job is a command and what's next for me and working with, with my club now. So, but I look back with real pride. There's none of this. No matter people say certain things about how it ended and all the rest of it. Um, you can't change. The, the narrative was a good story. We were a good story at Aberdeen and they don't tell me any different. No matter how close you are with people say, so you and Craig Brown still got three nights a week. <laughs> I don't speak to Craig much. No, I don't. I still, uh, no, I don't. Um, but I still go off with Stuart Milne and um, speak, keep in touch with directors and stuff. And, you know, you don't, you don't work at a club for eight years and you don't build good relationships. You know what I mean? What about players-wise? Who was good characters at your time up at Aberdeen? Who was good for you? Uh, Matt Reynolds, uh, Adam Rooney, you know Rooney. Rooney's uh, a good boy, um, isn't he? as fuck, but a good boy. Uh, Sh- Shinny, Ryan Jack, um, all the boys. But McKenna was a great boy. McKenna at 16, you just knew. You just knew he was the right boy. He was always with a kit man. He was last half hauling in all the gear for training. Um, trained with short sleeve, black boots, just did everything right. Do you know what I mean? Mm. He just, you wanted good things to happen for him and he was always a good boy. And, um, he, there was no real surprise with him and a little bit old school that way whereas a lot of the young ones now are more interested in their, their followers and their toilet bags and all the, all the bollocks that comes that. with that and their That's biggest influences a lot of times are their agents and their birds rather than just their coaches and their, their um, senior players you know yeah. I, mean? I, I like I like um, senior players to take an interest in the young boys and develop relationships like that we always tried to foster that at Aberdeen and create that kind of culture Um so we'd get the senior players to take an interest in the kids. So it was like centre forward, Rooney with a young striker, Rooney and Bruce Anderson, or midfielders with a midfielder, and just try and build that relationship and take an interest in them. As um, long as Adam Rooney wasn't teaching them first touch. No. Uh-huh. <laughs> you said that. <laughs> but we always, see the thing with Rooney is we always... Great guy, man. Uh, and he scored three seasons yeah. in a row, 20 odd goals. And for a free transfer, um, he's up there with you know, the best, one of the best signs ever made. I loved mm. Adam Rooney and... A lot of the time, your main striker, we talk about that um, in um, Monday to Friday training and stuff like that. Um, but Rooney was, he always felt, he's going to pitch, he always had in his head, I'll get three or four chances. And the thing about him, when he missed his first one, it didn't bother him. It bothered him when he scored, but he was always ready for the next one. And it's almost as if, and I mean this with the greatest respect, Adam, we played with, with 10 men and Rooney. <laughs> we needed to get Rooney, and Adam wouldn't he always get you up the pitch, taking it in or running or yeah, being yeah. big enough. But well, you wouldn't want MDL, so on the, the end box. of things, you know what I mean? He was different class for me. What about his brother, Johnny Hayes? <laughs> oh, uh, Johnny, we Isa, we call him. We Isa, him and... Oh, was, <laughs> How's he? Have you got it? Oh, he's always got stories. Oh, do you hear this? Do you hear this? <laughs> jo- Johnny's got a two-minute window with me. I can't understand him anyway, but um, he, uh, he asked, he sent me a message the other day there asking me to say, right, a wee testimonial for him for his CV, for his, doing his coaching badges and it. And I just put Johnny Hayes is fast. And that's it. <laughs> <laughs> but no, he's, uh, he was brilliant for me in both spells, Johnny. Uh-huh. Uh, he came back with a different mentality, obviously, having won things at Celtic and the demand on Celtic. But he's still as quick as ever. And a big part of the dressing room, he was a brilliant boy for me. I remember the first day, uh, first game at Aberdeen towards the end of the season. And uh, I'd, I'd just about to name the team. And he went down as he does the wee bit of drama queen, Johnny's. In training, he's like holding his ankle. I'm, I'm stunned out of him. Physio's running on. I was just about to name a team they set players. My first game for Aberdeen. I says, You alright? And he's like, Yeah, yeah. I says, Come on, fuck. I says, I'm building my team around about you tomorrow. I says, I need you to play. And he looked at me and they gave you the job. 
So he was a good character, Johnny. He was uh, life and soul. Hi, bro. He came to the hydro mate, and we met him at Saint Amasima. He okay, came up to me right, and I could not understand a yeah. fucking word yeah. he Did said you know? to me. No, he just kept talking about how great he mumbles, didn't he? Hi, mumbles. Hi, mumbles. See, I remember I played against Ryan Jack when I was young, right? We, we, we sort of competed against each other, but I never thought. Jack, he remembers it. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> <laughs> no joke. We should never ask that. No, did you see when he was at Aberdeen? Did you think he was going to go on? Because he's a real leader for Rangers now, isn't he? Uh, no, I think. Uh, you say it's like playing against Aberdeen with St Johnston. Mm. I always recognised was a decent player, but he always seemed to be a bit right back when he played mm. against us. And uh, we first went in, uh, and I loved him right away. I just loved the way he was demanding and training, um, barked out at people, get frustrated with people not doing things right, took the ball. He was your best player in training. He was everybody's first pass. I'm thinking, love this boy. At times, you could have had a bigger Ranger pass at times mm. at that age, I felt, but he kept the ball for you. He total trust. And with Russell Anderson as captain, Russell was a great captain and a, and a natural captain. But after that first season, um, Russell was retiring. And a decision to make, and I just um, I said to Jack, I says, you'll, you'll be the captain, building a team around about you, a centre midfielder. But as soon as we went in, we made him centre midfielder. Um, and he was a great captain. The only thing is, every time I made somebody captain, the, 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 so, so Jack will left, and then Shinny left. But, uh, but brilliant. Jack will, um, he makes teams better. He made my Aberdeen team better. He makes Rangers better. I think he makes Scotland better, to be honest. I know mm-hmm. Scotland are well um, looked after in midfield, but. Uh, Jack would play my stock Scotland team as well I need to ask you about two other players that have just sprung to my mind cool. because you've said about having good older pros Barry Robson Willow Flood well, two were, characters aren't they well we we looked at Aberdeen I remember when we went in and Craig and Archie were still taking the team and I went to Tannadice to watch the last game before the split and whoever won it was in top six and uh, so Dot was actually doing watching Sheffield United watching Barry Against Barry, who, sorry, Robson right. against Crew because and I think I was I went to Tannadice, so I'm watching the game and Wee Willow was trampling all over Aberdeen midfield. Right, he single-handedly drove Dundee United into top six. He mm. was all the game, um, fiery, narky, but good on the ball, getting forward, winning tackles, and Aberdeen were passive on the day. A huge support down Tannadice, and Aberdeen ended up in the bottom six. And I jumped into the motor and I phoned Dot. I says, Willow's my first signing. I said, tell me about Robson, because I played with Barry. Rangers is a young boy, yeah. with Rangers, and I had him at Dundee United, played with Dundee United. He says, how was Robson? He went, murder, murder. Couldn't tell you to sign him. He says, he played him in the time, and we tell Barry this all the time. <laughs> um, so I phoned Willow's agent and, and the way home. I said, I want to meet Willow. So I went to Willow's house on the Monday. Um, he says, come to the house at four o'clock. I went in. He wasn't obviously prepared for me coming. I was dirty washing everywhere in the house. Or like, <laughs> he always fucking knackered Willow as well, didn't he? Uh, but I, I just felt I need to get this boy. And we probably had to go a couple hundred quid more to get him. Uh, we got him. But I took the 200 quid off Barry's offer. Give it to Willow. Oh, you hate that, man. <laughs> so, but, sitting with Barry. So, so I went with Willow. And I used to take, I used to go and meet either at Stuart Mill's house at Glen Eagles with players for trying to sign him, try to give him the big okay. sale and impressive, uh, or nice hotel, whatever. And I met Barry for signing talks in Nashville, Chippy in Aberdeen. <laughs> And I, and I made him pay for it. So we're sitting and he's going, aye, so that's me back with uh, Mrs. and the kids and just um, getting the kids into school. We bought a house in Inverurie. I'm like, I keep talking, keep talking. And he's like, can I get two years? I'm not going to need two years. I'll give you a year. He's like, oh, come on. I need two years, a wee bit of security. I says, no. He says, 
well, I might have other options. He says, you've just bought a house. You've got to school. <laughs> the wind's going to school. Where are you going to go? He went, aye, all right. And I says, I have no money, need to pay for this chippy. So he tells his story. He says, all the other ones get spoiled. He says, Glad I didn't even give my dinner pay for. So he signed and Barry was brilliant. Um, what a player, man. Do you know what? I love Barry. Yeah. I, um, the one game where uh, it's quite synonymous with Barry because he, he always, him and Willow always took responsibility. They didn't give a shit if the fans were booing it and on each. Yeah. Fans were on their back. And a lot of people, are you talking about that, people, boys disappearing. Uh, you know, it's difficult playing at Aberdeen at home when things aren't going well um, and the fans expect more. But Willow would give the ball away, but then just go and get it again. He would just constantly take responsibility. And Robson was the same. Robson um, was brilliant for me to tour him. Barry used to always say, Aye, Russell Anderson's a great captain. He can sort the tickets. I'll take the boys down the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he was a brilliant personality. And when it came to the end, um, obviously I had Shinny, Jacko, Willow, Kenny, McLean, Barry, every other Monday, champ the door. I'm like, what? And he's like, I just think I can get in the team. I think mean, I can start something off. And I'm like, instead of who? Yeah. You know, who you got? And he's like, no, but... Um, That's so, brilliant, man. Brilliant. So, and see, to be honest, I used to get him to play in the reserve teams. Up at Peter Heed, the reserve games. And he didn't even know, it was just a subconscious thing, but he was developing other players. He was brilliant for McKenna, you know, playing with the young boys. And I do think there is a place for senior players playing in youth teams and, you know, in under 23 teams, because bringing them on, he didn't even know, he was He was just being him. Yeah. He was actually bringing on the next generation of players. And, and I needed to, I wanted to keep him. We actually created a role for him and the club were good to support me on that because I didn't have a place in the staff. But I didn't want to let him go. It was good to pick up the cones after every session, wasn't it? That role you created uh, for him. That was good. Was, was I played good. against you in reserves when I was about 16 year old. You don't even remember it. You at United. You should have brought didn't you? Oh, that's what I'm saying. That. It was only when you played against older guys like that, you learn more than that 90 minutes and you do fucking five years. See, I, I, I think we've lost a bit of that, yeah. to be honest. I remember one of my first reserve games for Morton. Um, Celtic sent down a team on a Tuesday and it was like Alan McKnight, Mick McCarthy, Paul McStay, Mark McGee, Owen Archdeacon, Tony Shepard. Riddled with top players, um, and you actually think you come out of it. How shite am I? <laughs> anyway, when you're playing against Bobby Miles, Stay, miles off it, but that whole playing the reserve team, um, in the Premier Morton in the Premier League, playing against good players, that that's worth its weight in gold, you know what I mean, for development for young players. And I think I do think you need to expose young players, you need to test them, you need to stretch them, don't let them get comfortable. And I think academy football all becomes a bit too mm-hmm. a bubble and insular and it's the same boys playing against the same boys for each team for years and years and years and we need to find a way to challenge them there that's a managerial clinic isn't it? he's brilliant he really is I can see why he's been successful everywhere. but see when it comes down to manager size and, and when it comes to your former managers have you took any of their sort of style into your management I, I just want to be a manager that I would have wanted to play for I, I, I look at people now even guys I didn't ma- manage to um, play under people talking and I'm going I'd love to have played for him Mm-hmm. You know, and there's other ones you, you hear them blagging on and bluffing and going, wouldn't know for me, I couldn't have played for him, you mm-hmm. know. And, and I think that I was lucky, I had a great development with Alan McGraw when I think back at Morton. You know, he was, he was restricted with his knees and stuff like that, but, you know, taking the time of me to, uh, after games, sitting on a Monday with a cup of tea in his office. You know, sometimes a young boy, you're looking for the door to get out, right, is this over now? You know what I mean? And, but he'd make you feel so comfortable and give you the confidence. He, and he would go through chapter and verse your performance in the game. And even when you were murdered and made mistakes, he would make you feel you were better than what you actually were. And that's, that's brilliant. That for me, any manager who took the time to invest in me and took the time to speak to me. 
many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. And, and believe in me, that made me feel 100 feet tall. Do you know what yeah. I mean? It was everything. And we've got a saying with the, the staff, and like, make, the, make them feel important. Make the, so before we go, I've got, always got to tap my training sheet before we go for training, make them feel important. And... And that's your job is to try and get performances out of boys. And uh, Walter Smith was was a master at that. You know, I mean, I just needed a well done for him. See, we okay. just said to the guy, we just went, well done. That made me, that was me made up. Mm, Didn't he need? Made. Uh-huh. I Because if I'd satisfied him, and Gary Megson was another one who, for a manager who actually, he runs everything out of our squad. For us to win that first promotion at West Brom to the Premier League when there was so many other teams with far more resource and all the rest of it. That is proper management. He was hard on us. He was, um, he never let up. He was proper on us all the time. Never seemed to be satisfied, never seemed to be happy, but he was relentless with his demands on us. And we were the fittest team, the hardest working team. And we ended up going up with Man City and, and, and the Premier League. And I still to this day, I can't, can't have enough. Uh, praise for him how he managed to get us up there he was outstanding uh, Walter Smith obviously is brilliant well, you've talked about man management a lot was uh, the brilliance of him that he could look after personalities like Gascoigne McCoist yeah I mean I didn't, you know? he didn't appreciate really the challenges he would have had you know I, I'd always heard good things about the gaffer when, and when I went to Rangers do you know, remember him asking you to sign for Rangers though aye what, aye. so you just sat in your house no no uh, so there was um I knew Rangers had been watching us and I was all set to go down south um, and then Rangers came in and because I had a clause in the contract, it came a wee bit messy for Morton at the end up, but because I had a clause, because I'd felt that Morton had asked for too much money and denied me opportunities before, when I re-signed, I, I put that clause in and Rangers made the clause. So while Morton were getting more money for other teams, I wanted to go to Rangers. Um, so when I was due to meet Walter, I, I, my, my dad was a huge Rangers fan and, and I asked him to come along with me. I mean, I think back even now, just that people touch. I mean, he's a huge manager by that stage. He'd done so much and he was dealing with key players, you say. But when he brought me in, um, in his office up the stairs, and I was never in that office again. It was only the bad boys that went up there. You know, you never really go into the gaffer's office up the stairs at the top of the staircase. Um, and he came in and he said, uh, right, Derek, you go away with the physios and get your medical. He says, I'll, I'll sit with your dad. And when I came back in, it's about half eleven. There's my dad sitting with Walter having a can of lager, the two of them. No way. Aye, and I'm thinking, I'm like my dad. Dead. <laughs> you know what I mean? And he's like, oh, Walter's. I'm like, Walter, aye, you go to school then? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> and I'm thinking, the two of them, no, and Walter made him feel at home. He just kind of, I think he recognised it was a big deal. Yeah, dad. Do you know what I mean? For my dad. And 
That means a lot, to be honest. When I think back at that, just those, that wee touch, I was away getting a medical. God knows who I passed the medical because my knees were short, but uh, I was away for a couple of hours and then I came back and my dad had a ball. Do you know what I mean? So um, it meant a lot of that. So, and Walter had that about him, that kind of human side, you know, and you know, I had a couple of, um, um, I wasn't as close to him as other players were because um, I always felt I had his trust. Um, I always felt as though that if I was fit and I had loads of injuries, that he liked me being there and then about things, but there was always better players ahead of me in the starting team. But but I remember I'd played every round of the League Cup. Um we had and I'd been involved in every league game that, that year as well. Either starting or on the bench in nine row season. We played the League Cup final against Hearts. And I remember I was sitting that was the time when there was only three subs and one was always a goalie. So I remember we were sitting at the meeting at half one at Ibrooks and it was me, Big uh, Big Oz and Charlie and the threes were sitting. And we're doing the mass here going by the way couple of us are not going to go on the bench here and then I says to me Charlie and I says why don't we split two bonuses amongst the three years and me Charlie had a good week right and Charlie, I can see Charlie breaking his nails <laughs> and Big O's like nah I'm not having that and he says we're not on the pitch don't get the bonus and Charlie's thinking about it and Charlie went nah I'll take my chances so the gaffer names the team because I'm thinking I've scored in the quarter final against Ayr I've scored in the semi final against Dunferman at least they I'll definitely go on the bench yes. you know what I mean so the name of the team and the subs and I looked to her and Charlie was like, maybe when the gaffer walked to it, he went, what? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm fucking raging, right? I'm going like that. So, so I'm trying to get his attention walking onto the bus going to park the finals at Parkhead. I said, so about that bonus thing? They're like, do one, right? <laughs> so, so I'm sitting up there and they did mate, named uh, Peter Van Vossen, Theo Schnelders and David Robertson had came from anywhere. <laughs> David had been injured for whatever, I don't even know who he was training. Um, but he came from anywhere and the gaffer put him on the bench, right? And I'm thinking, it was raging. That was, no. Oh. So you can see him? Uh, so after the, after we won it, uh, having a wee do back at the club and we're all talking to gaffers and we're on the dance floor and he's like, McKinnis came here and he's like, Matt, and he's trying to give me a cuddle. And I'm like, what's that all about? And he's like, come see me tomorrow. And I said, what was that all about? <laughs> trying to have a conversation. He's like, see me tomorrow. So I goes in 10 o'clock next morning, chaps the door and I, and I walks in and I says, uh, and he pulled out a medal and he stood up, shoot on, gave me the medal. He says, you've got a medal, you've earned that. You've played in every round. He says, uh, he says, I'll make sure you get the full bonus. So right away, I'm kind of, right, my, my anger's kind of, and he said, uh, Dale, once you come this side of it, he said, uh, I needed a striker on the bench and I needed a goalie. And he says, and David Robertson has earned my loyalty for the last three or four years. And in time, you'll get the benefit mm. of that. And when you become a manager, you're leaning boys like that. So, so I'm like, everything I was writing up to say, I was like, football on the side. So there was reasons for that. And, and listen, you know, I, even when I'm picking a bench now, and, and it was a bit easier last week, last season with nine subs, and you've got, you've got an ability to try and keep everybody right and happy, but there were still times you had to leave good boys out. And, you Is know, that the toughest part of it, though? As it can be, but I think it's important to manage you don't dwell on it too much because yeah. your, your focus is needed on your starting 11. That's what you need. You can't be, you know, and I always one of these managers who at times would maybe, I'd like to, nine times out of ten, I like to name my team on a Friday and go through what we need to do because I like, I like to be prepared and, and I like my team to be prepared. But there is times where I think, Joe, you know I'm going to sleep on it. Um, if you're wrestling with something. Um, and I, and I remember, um, Walter done that a lot he says sometimes wake up on a Saturday and go with your gut just whatever your first thought is that's your and then Sir Alex very soon when he's speaking to him he'll say no nah, I can't think I'm worse I always like to have my team on a Friday he says I need a good sleep mm. so he says 
many times you can settle on your team, settle on your subs Friday night, get a good kip. It's so important that you're fresh. And see, to be honest, since I went to Kamala, I've, I've <coughs> done that. I've done that. I've tried to be settled with everything, wake up Saturday morning. Hopefully. Clear mind. Yeah. Yeah. You usually wrestle with someone in bed, but it's, <laughs> it's certainly not that. That's for sure. It's a bad bad, bad bad for me to do. <laughs> Del C, he said, did Waterman ever str- struggle with Gaza at all? No, no. He was good with him and obviously... He does, uh, turned a blind eye to loads. Um, and he was always a wee bit like that with, with the, with the goalie as well. You know, the goalie was, um, the best goalkeeper I've ever played with. He was outstanding. And, you know, um, Andy would come in the morning grumpy and could see he'd had a baby in that. And he would just sit there, gloves on, no speak to anybody. And then he'd go and perform. Couldn't he beat him? One v ones, saving everything. And then as soon as his train was over, right, where are we going? It was a different character again. Um, and the gaffer loved Andy and we all loved Andy and these characters in the dressing room and with Gaza it was um, he couldn't sleep he was hyperactive and he was up to all sorts at night uh, he, was, uh, he used to come in with the waders on up to the air with a wee tiny tie for John Gregg wearing my shirt and tie shirt and, tie, right? yeah. um, and he was just always keeping, must have kept the gaffer on his toes it was only a couple of times that ever kind of really got a hand and it was towards the end um, and uh, the gaffer you know team meetings could Rip into him, you know, and just, um, and leave guys in tears, to be honest. Really? Have that effect. I, I never seen the gaffer blow too much, but the two or three times I did, um, it was nae, it was nae pretty. So, and because we had so much respect for him and for, you didn't want to, you would never disrespect him, you know. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, I was like, funny, I was listening to the, my playlist came on, it was the Eagles, Essentials came on, and I'm driving down to Kamarnock last week and just remind, takes me back to the gaffer coming in. In the gym, I'd always been in the gym late on in the afternoon, and he'd come in just took the music off, put the egos on, and him batting it and go real fucking music mechanist. Don't say a word. And he used to sing, and he was murder. He used to sing, top of his voice. And you're thinking, well, any chance get us off? You know what I mean? <laughs> what would he do? Run, run a machine, or? run a machine, bike, everything. Him and Archie, to fair. Good night. Was he what awesome? Yeah, brilliant. Uh-huh. Aye, aye, he's good night. So him and Archie used to either run around the pitch forever. It, it was the slowest jog, but they were running. I run the gym batting it every day they were doing something or Brilliant. heat tennis heat tennis was legendary oh, did you t- the boys need to ref it boys used to ref it and you, that was what you didn't want it was like uh, Archie would just turn around you're the ref and it was like oh, oh no that's so, horrible and the thing is I remember um, things on you couldn't you, <laughs> nobody was once you were in the dressing room when the game started <laughs> you, could you couldn't get out nobody could get in <laughs> like the loud room that when they go and pick his way up for school and stuff like that that's um, fucking hell fucking out who was better at the two better player uh, Gaffer was brilliant in it because he was taller but uh-huh. Archie was good player he could uh, get about he would never get up you'd need to kill Archie in a fight uh-huh. uh, he, would, he would be the two of them or uh, just winners, you know what I mean? It meant everything, you know what I mean? So, why is Fat Burner like that anymore? Amazing, well, it can be. Did you do that with your tennis boys? We set up head tennis every morning and it's there. I think head tennis is good for you. Amazing, because it's, mate. Touch. touch, anticipation. Yeah. Um, but I hate people who play head tennis just because, oh, you're terrible to play head tennis and they just get through the motions. See, if I'm in a team with somebody and the boys know trying as hard as me, it's like they're not playing this Saturday, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Can't be doing it. And, it's, <laughs> and it is good for you. It is good for you. So we do it every day. We take on the young boys and take on players all the time. And you see young boys and that getting better. Yeah. It's too so, basic for some modern day managers now, right? I don't like it. Uh, it needs to be yeah. more complicated. So, um, but no, we're, um, the gaffer was brilliant at dealing with all those personalities. And you can only imagine the, the pressure he was under. But I think the, 
you know, I became really close to, to the gaffer when, when I became a manager, to be honest. It was more that. I thought I was always close to him. And then he left and Dick came in and Dick was totally different. You know, it was the end of an era for a lot of our boys. It was, Dukey was away. We Stuart McCall, Goffey, uh, Andy, Durante, Costa, nobody was getting contracts. Myself and Ian Ferguson got another, another year. Um, and it was a different dressing. It went from being probably... The guys who didn't drink being frowned upon to the guys who did drink, all of a sudden you were the, the ones that were the, uh, so, and I had to change that culture, probably did have to change, but um, it was good, it was interesting, <sighs> but it, it was, um, he had the strongest team, we used to do 11 v 11 every day. Every day? Every day. So, much, huh? so even on a Monday, uh, even to do it as long, obviously on a Monday, <clears> that, you knew the team on a Saturday. And it's demoralising that for the full week on the fringes, I think. So, would he stop that 11 v 11 quite a bit, Del? Have you seen some aye, riding like that? A lot of the time, aye, yeah. but it was just that um, repetition. You know, it was a lot of passing. Something went wrong with loads of good players, and some of the players he signed, like Giovanni and that, were brilliant players. Um, we had some good times at, at, at that time. Uh, I'd done my cheekbone in training. Tony Vidmar elbowed me, cheekbone collapsed. And I always remember I was lying, I was agony, and Fizzy came running on, and seen Advocate come around, he's like, Hey, McInnes, your bib. And he just took the bib off. <laughs> <laughs> took my bib and gave it to me, Barry Nicholson. I'm like, I am all right, aye. Um, aye, so I went to, um, when I came back for that fractured cheekbone, uh, it was October, November, and I asked to go on loan. Because um, then it was near a window, I rent like that, in Stockport. It was um, in the championship at the time, Gary Megson. And he'd right. come up to watch a reserve game against Celtic. I'd played at Ibrox. And uh, he phoned my agent the next day and he just says, look, I'd like to take Derek. So we got that set up and I went there for 14, 15 games. Loved it. Loved it. I met, met Cookie, who's one of my best mates now, and a load of boys are still keep touching. Good player, not you, Cookie? Cookie was a good West, player. West, uh, um, so we were a bit, we were mid-table in the championship, you know, and Stockport were just a small provincial club. They're doing well again and they're going the right way again. But yeah. um, it was it was brilliant. And it was one of the ones where... I wasn't, I was enjoying it that much playing every week again after I had all my injury problems. I wasn't um, so bothered about going back, and, but I, um, Dick wanted to me come back to be part of the squad. And um, he said to me, Look, he says, you, you've done well, been watching you. And just So I was on the fringes at still, but then he played me in the cup final against Celtic and we won the treble, which um, we made it all worthwhile, to be honest. So um, he had the trust in me in that one. And then when I left Gary Megson, he says, look, if I ever get to a proper club that I can afford to get you, you'll be my first signing. And to be fair, when he went to West Brom, <laughs> I was that. So, um, you know, it was good. Um, Rangers was, was special. At the time with Walter in particular, our dressing room will never be beaten. We're still, we're still pals in the group chat and mm. it can get a bit lively at times, but um, great memories. Is McCoy's the man? Ah, he is. He's, he's still a bit sensible these days, no, honestly, no. Nah, but he's a... Uh, he still got his moments. We still golf and that, and he's he's a neighbour. And um, but he loves all the crack with the boys. You know, I mean, try and get him to do the hydro for us, mate. Will you? Hydro, uh, aye. Can you get him to do it? I'll say to him, aye. Great to go up there. Have a wee drink with you too, will not it? Oh, I'd be that's, a, that's the dream. Would you, yeah. you invite yeah. us up to the house? Us to you and Coisty. Coisty, same size of Coisty's house. It's a massive, massive. That's it. Aye. Great to go up there. Used to say, used to say, my driveway's that big. I've got a wimpy in it. <laughs> he was gorgeous as well McCoy's back in the day yeah, yeah. I, I always remember my first day first game going to Ibrox we were playing Patrick Thistle my debut and we're driving him on the Friday and he goes like he says eh, we'll just go in together tomorrow because he liked a pint after it right? so and I said aye fine he says so who's driving he's like you're driving I says right we'll fine I'll pick you up so pre-match off 11 upstairs in the kitchen 
So I said, I'll get you about 10 to 11. She said, I'm still sitting there at 10 past, and I'm quarter past, and I'm shitting myself because I'm going to be late. My first yeah. game. He came swelling down the papers, not right. Reading the papers, like, we're plenty of time. So I'm driving like, Looney, right? Make sure. Imagine being late your first That's day. Worst, man. And I've, I've hit a pothole, and he's like, Oh, I got somebody else to drive me in next week. He <laughs> <laughs> uh, says I only got an extra year because you get banned for driving. <laughs> See, your time at Rangers was yeah. a war- Who would you say was the best player? And I don't like asking that question, but I'm just. Do you know what? It was. Um, Gaza was the best player, yeah. uh, technical player. There was nobody as good as Gaza that way. We could do these wee, wee two minute possessions you do, men on the side, 4v4, or whatever. Yeah. You could. There was times you could keep the ball for the two minutes, just just holding people up, bouncing it off the side, men keeping it. And you know how uh, two minutes a long time yeah, in these yeah. possessions, but he was outstanding. Um, Loudrop probably produced those big moments for us more than Gaza. Yeah. You know what I mean? Loudrop was um, a match winner so often, um, and the difference in a lot of the games. But Costi was outstanding. Charlie, we Charlie Miller, brilliant players, you know, I mean, and a lot of the foreign players that, that, that came in, um, such a good level, you know, and good pros like Jonas Terran and Conchelos, because all these guys that he played with. But I would say if you're, if you're just talking about a pure, the pure essence of the world football, the best football would be Gaza. Uh, uh, obviously, Fergie was like, Barry Ferguson was a young player coming through when you were there, you went on to manage his nephew, Lewis. Uh, was there any comparisons there between the two? No, probably just a, an inner belief and in, in determination. Um, Barry was was always a lot spoke about Barry coming through, and a couple of times, a few times, used to come up and train with, with Gaffer and Archie, and um, and they were quite hard on him uh, as well. And it was all part of that development. Um, Barry and uh, Barry Robson were pals. They came through together as well. And I did that right. I uh, no ITS, um, <clears throat> and they were. The kind of bad boys always had to deal with the gaffers' breakfast and the gaffers' boots and all that. So, and they were seen as the ones that had to be watching. You know what I mean? So, mm-hmm. um, but I think it was all part of the development. Barry was, Barry was as good a midfield player in, in the generation. He was outstanding. He would get in any best Rangers eleven for me. You think so, Dad? Uh, he was outstanding. Barry and could you tell me. that straight away as soon as he came up? I played with his head up, great hips, switch a play left and right, bit about him, um, could score goals if he was playing a bit forward. Great decision maker, short and long passing. He had everything for me, we Fergie. I thought he was outstanding. Um, and uh, I even remember the, 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 his debut at Tynecastle, because it was after we had won nine in a row, we still had hearts to play. And uh, Gaffer had just says, this was the Tuesday night, he says, we'll see you Friday. And, and it was. Gaza turned up, still with strip on, one flip flop and one shoe. <laughs> and, uh, so Friday at one o'clock, we're on the in for training, the gaffer the meeting, he says, right, I want every day, hey, we're all going to the hotel, uh, we're getting shaved, we're getting a proper wash, we're going to do a week, a uh, few job laps of the pitch, um, but we need to look like a team tomorrow, make sure we turn up. And, uh, and he went to Gaza, Jürgen Haim, make sure you're at the stadium for half one and you're playing 90 minutes. <laughs> and he goes, just sitting there, oh God, right. So, so Fer- we thought Fergie was going to make his debut, the gaffer hadn't named the team, and we thought Fergie was going to make, get his, his debut that day, so. I remember on the Friday night we were sitting and uh, David Murray had asked that the gaffer and Archie round for dinner at his place in Edinburgh. So we'd had dinner and cause he's like dodgy. The David Dodge says, like, boys are gonna get a couple of beers. He's like, You know that enough? So just gonna get a couple of beers. And he says, out of the room, play a game of cares. He says, Well the gaffer's tell me he's checking the rooms at ten o'clock, so I'm just warning you, if that's the one, you want a day. Fair enough. So <coughs> we're in the room playing cards and that's getting a bit lively. 
Um, McCoy, I always remember McCoy used to pick the phone up. He's like, who am I speaking to in the room? So he's like, new boy Michael. He's like, right, Michael, it's Alan McCoy. He says, you bring 12 Budweiser's up, son, every 20 minutes. And we'll look after you, right? So we're all sitting. Me, Fergie, sitting in amongst it. He's not drinking, but Fergie. Um, so he's sitting, dilling at the curtains and all that. And we do that. He's going, cheat him. 16 year old, you know what I mean? Play the girls, build his brass. And um, next minute the phone goes. And it was, uh, or before that, it was a brilliant card game with Gaza and Charlie. Gaza's just got that much money, right? He was just going blind all the time, yeah. right? So Gaza, uh, Charlie's sitting with a flush, proper, proper hand. He's going, just matching it. So everybody's out in the skin on. Gaza's just putting the money in, going blind. So Charlie's having to go double all the time. He's going, Gaza, just repeat your cards, right? <laughs> so honestly, the best ever, that's right. So um, there's about all sorts in the pot, right? Don't, couldn't even begin to tell you how much money's in the pot, right? So eventually, they're like, Gaza, well, why do play cards here? So he's like, turns his card, three, 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 you just grab the one, Charlie just kicked the <laughs> Honestly, it was the best ever. And then uh, the, ga- the phone goes, and it was uh, dodgy. Gaffer and Archie checking the rooms. You're a clown, you're an idiot, you're all hungry. So the gaffer walks in. All the beers and bottles are behind the big curtains, and uh-huh. it was a uh, big Caledonia Hotel on Princess Street. And he comes in, the girl just looks at her, and he's like, but it's wee Greg Shields. Shields, Miller, Wilson, Ferguson, Bed. And Charlie's like, what would tell? <laughs> I'm fine. I'm all right here. So, he gets, so they all left, right? And I know going to happen to him, brilliant. So he goes over the phone. He's like, Michael, it's Walter Smith here. And he's like, can I have a uh, 10 Budweiser's and a bottle of champagne, son? Put the phone down. <laughs> Starting for Curtis. He didn't sit to play girls, but another round of drinks, you know what I mean? And oh, that's brilliant. Night, right? amazing, get your bed, you know what I mean? So, it's unreal. I always remember doing the warm up that day, and we, John Robertson, had to score two goals to beat Willie Ball's record at Hearts or something. And of course, he's shouting at him, if you don't beat it today, you'll never beat it. <laughs> beat us 3 1. I scored that day, by the way. That's the best part of the story, aye. So, Did he get his two goals? He got his two goals. Did he, right? Robo, aye. But then it was the helicopter real, thing back to the, the helicopter thing back to the club, um, the celebrations and that. It was brilliant, so special with that. And it was a special group of boys. We, we all loved each other, do you know what I mean? And we'd do anything for each other. And the gaffer having to try and manage all that, all mm-hmm. those different personalities, it says a lot about him. And he didn't always have it. Easy, there was a lot of pressure on the gaffer, do you know what I mean, to, to deliver that nine in a row. And you've seen that ten in a row just fell short. You've seen it's happened now with, you know, it's Jockstein, Neil Lennon and Walter never quite managed a ten, yeah. you know what I mean? So, um, but he was, uh, he was a brilliant manager. Really miss him, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. still can't believe it. he's away, to be honest. Um, and he was such a confidant for me, somebody I could lean on. I, I'm probably guilty of not leaning on too many people. I think you always try to find your own way and I've never been one to look for too much advice, but he was always the first port of call for me all the time. So I became really close to him as a manager. Um, went a few LMA dinners together and stuff like that and we always got... I Is he good company, really Del? Was he good company, Del? Uh-huh. As good a company as you'll get, aye. But can you just talk to him about everything? Aye, drink the red wine and away. And there were so many other players who were close to him because they had built those relationships over years. But I felt latterly I got a, 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 an indication of what that was like as a manager because I felt me and him were um, were close. And I think he liked to help me and he liked to he liked when I phoned him. You know, so mm-hmm. it's a shame that uh, he's gone too early. It's just a massive loss for everybody. So you said obviously about advocating naming his team on a Monday. So you knew on a Monday if you weren't playing on a Saturday, was there, yeah. was there resi games in between that and any of the big players that knew they were, they were going to every be game, playing? Every week, every other week, you'd maybe try to get involved in the, 
the reserve game, but because you're playing 11 v 11, you've got good fitness for that anyway. So, and he always used to say, be, you're paid well to be ready. So that was his thing. But I remember one time, it was at the time when Big Alberts and Chelsea said, can I been squeezed out the team a wee bit? And we were playing Aberdeen at Petaudry on the Tuesday night. In the reserves? In the reserves. <clears throat> so, Bert Van Lyngen comes in after training on the Monday and he puts his squad list up and right away, he Charlie's out. He's <laughs> you're in it, not Adele, and laughing. Right? We're going to Petaudry on Tuesday night and then he turned and went, Chelsea, because you're in it, right? And everybody's first out laughing. And Andre's like, what? He's like, yeah, you're in it, you're going to Aberdeen. He's like, I'll not be going to Aberdeen. And Van Ly- uh, Bert Van Lyngen heard him. He went, oh, you'll be there. And he went, I fucking won't. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously Bert's went up to tell the gaffer. So we dick comes down, storming down, he went, hey, You think you're special, Kinchelskis? You fuck it, you think you're special, you know go to Aberdeen? He went, Listen, no reserves at Fiorentina, no <laughs> reserves at Everton, no reserves at Man United, no fucking reserves at Rangers, right? And we're all sitting like that and he went, You'll be there, you'll be there, Kinchelskis. He's like, I fucking won't. He went, be two weeks wages, two weeks wages, you'll be there. And Andre just went and he's his coat, he's his blazer. Pulls his checkbook, writes it, and he just threw it. Me dick was raging. <laughs> me and Charlie's like, two weeks later, Charlie's like, what's he on? <laughs> he's like, me. So we're sitting, going up to the door on the Tuesday, and Charlie's like, I'd love to be able to do that. <laughs> and was that the end of Kinchelskis after that? I don't know if it was the end. It was just, it was, it was just a clash. Like, a player like that's not going to be happy, no playing, do you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Um, but Andre was a brilliant boy. He was uh, dead, he just immersed himself in the club, and he was interacting with the young boys. and. Um, he was he was different class. I always remember the time as well on his first day. Charlie was we used to sit together, and because it was short and thigh and, and Andre came in, he was in the shower still, and Charlie's had his old socks on for the day before, and the the socks yes, so Charlie just went into Andre's shoes and put his socks on right. So we're up having lunch, and I think one of the things we had with Cat, so half one we used to go up for lunch, and we couldn't eat until he used to sit down and go right, you enjoy your lunch. So like waiting for half no one. way it was. So sitting there, right? Wait, do that. So Andres came storming in, he went, who's doing my fucking socks? Right? And Charlie's like, and he's like, Charlie's button his wee angry, right? He's like, who's doing my fucking Charlie kicking me under the table? He's like, don't say nothing. You're mad rushing here. <laughs> so he was raging, proper raging. So the next day, Andres came in, a big, you know the big green bag, Max and Spencer's bag? Uh-huh. 50 pairs, it was a 7.99 silk socks, 50 pairs of them, just flung them on the desk and went, Socks for every fucker. We got socks. We are here. We are still in the socks. I love how Charlie Miller's always trying to do you in, man. Nah, me and Charlie used to. We were backing each other up. Me and Charlie, man. It was me and him against McCoy and Durant all the time. Um, but right for the start, Durant, he was. I grew up Rangers fan. Durant, he was up there for me, and I loved him. And I obviously got to know him through different people a wee bit, but no the way. So at Rangers, my first day after I'd signed, the next day I was in training, and uh, you had to wear a shirt and tie, and I had came from Morton, I didn't really wear a shirt and tie, I only had a club suit, and so I remember going out with my missus and thinking, I need to get some shirts, some ties, so I'd got a few things, and I got this kind of, kind of tweedy jacket, and I think about it, this kind of denim shirt, and a nice wee kind of golden thing, denim tie thing, right, so I actually looking all right. So I've walked in, Durante was always there, he sat, his peg was under the Queen, he was in every morning, right, first in, sitting with his legs crossed, and I'm walking in with Jimmy Bell um, uh, with my shirt and tie that on. He went, for fuck's sake, I've signed Prince Charles. <laughs> <laughs> so, and I'm like, all oh, right. And he kept going, you were. And he's there looking at me. Right. So there's me. And every time the boy, one of the boys came in, Trevor Stephen, Alan McCann, he's like, 
Hey, Trevor, maybe Prince Charles. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, I had that idea, and, uh, and it was brilliant. And I always remember that my first day. I had, a, I had a club motor for Morton still. It was a big Peugeot, Burgundy Peugeot, right? It was every taxi in Glasgow was a Peugeot <laughs> at the time, right? So I'd parked it, I'd been running the reservation, parked it heading back towards Paisley, um, the other side. And uh, I remember coming out of the, the Ibrooks and Charlie came out at the same time. And I'm kind of getting my motor and he's like, <laughs> taxi, shoot, right? So in the morning I came in and the boys are up with, uh, you got a taxi care, you got a girl there for your taxi. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but Dranty was, I remember he came up to me and he's like, I'm all having a bit of panic. He says, you're a good player, you'll do well here. He says, ain't you want? <laughs> Come and see me. I'll look oh, bro, I so there was always that joke, a jag, but it was a and joke a yeah, and a cuddle and, and, and Dranty's, no, he's the best boy, you know. Amazing. Right, on to Dundee United. No, Andy, McC- Andy McClellan is one of the best guys that's ever lived. Yeah. He's a legend, isn't he? I love Andy and he's had tough, such a tough life and yeah. a lot of things to deal with and contend with, but we used to travel together. Um, and, uh, you know, it's just so, it's so fond of him still. Now I met him last week at Boydie's Test uh, Golf Day thing and we still play golf and him, myself and Charlie occasionally. We don't do it as much as we probably should, would like to, but um, he's done brilliant for himself and he was brilliant then. I remember I used to pick him up, used to meet him at the little chef at Westerwood <laughs> and he'd, uh, he'd be like, take my motor today. And I'm like, right, but you get into his motor. He didn't have a sunroof, it was that. It was, a, it was like an ashtray, it was like, you know I mean? it was like a skip his motor, it's like a chimney, the, the, the thing with, and it was just smelling of fags. And then he'd be sitting with his coffee, a Twix, trying to drive, <laughs> his fag and his phone. And I'm thinking, really? I'm like, just take my motor tomorrow, do you know what I mean? Was he wild? And did I dress Lively. I remember when we first signed, we were kind of struggling, and uh, Andy was without a club. And I think Coyle had set up, Ian McCall, Andy McLaren's going to come in. And we were sitting like, third bottom of the table in my first season um, and Andy I swear with it or like just kicked the dressing room over and went panic's over we'll be tapped six for Christmas <laughs> and we were and we were he was, was he brilliant there, was he he was different class panic's <laughs> over that's not that um, but technically Andy you know I mean he, right foot left foot what a player he was he, he um, quality um, and I, I loved him I still love him now we're good, good pals and he was great for us in that dressing room we and I think back now for Ian McCall, it must have been tough. The opinions in that dress, it's like you get your age, and, or your age when you're the new, you think you know it all, and you think everything the manager's doing, what's he doing? Yeah. You know what I mean? We should be doing that, we should be doing that. It was me, Jim McIntyre, Alan Archibald, Barry Robson, Charlie Muller. We were all, too much to say. Uh, I thought, looking back, but what a brilliant dress room. Do you know what I mean? We, we go to the cup final that year, Alan Thompson beat uh, 1-0. And we go into Europe, and we finished, I think, fifth in the league. So it wasn't all bad, but we, uh, we, we, we promised to deliver more than we did. It was disappointing that we'd never done more. Um, we had a lot of good players in, but maybe not quite the right balance. Mm. Did you yeah. stay up there? With, did you stay up in Dundee? No, I travelled every day and I stayed up on a Friday. Was that, was that, did you stay with Charlie? No. no. What's no. the one with the physio? Oh, Barry Robson <laughs> tell the story, big Clarky, Jeff Clark. So, uh, no, I used to stay up on a Friday night in the hotel with Andy and Grant Brebner and that. We used to just stay and have, try to do things right and get that rest and that. And then, <clears throat> No, but Barry Robson tells a story because Barry used to go into Barry's a lot, uh, Charlie's a lot and brought a ferry on a Sunday and Charlie would be super Sunday sitting there all day, a few cans and that. And uh, there was one time he was supposed to get in for treatment, his ankle was blown up for the game on the Saturday and I think we were playing the Wednesday night, maybe Aberdeen, maybe, I can't remember. And uh, Barry says he goes run. He says he's one of the best ever. He says he's in. And there's Clarkie, the physio, doing massaging, getting treatment for Charlie. And Charlie's lying in my can and a fag watching the football. Say, any chance, Clarkie? That's there. 
<laughs> um, so that was uh, spicy. Let's get abused in there. But because uh, Clarkie was a neighbour, instead of Charlie going there, he came to Charlie. So, but then me and Barry went out to Bergen to see Charlie playing in Norway, um, and he was a god over there. You couldn't uh-huh. believe it for a night out with him, and everybody singing his name everywhere you went. You know what I mean? And me and, me and Barry went out there two or three nights with Charlie out there. It was it was brilliant. So was Charlie brilliant as well, there? Yeah, uh, he's a great player. Great player, that change of pace to get away from people and left foot, right foot, that last pass, the calmness, never rushed in the final third. Great finisher. Um, he was just didn't like the run inside it. Mm. Um, and probably, uh, probably didn't fulfill his full potential, but uh, he was good value for every team he played in. Just a pity he never, because I think that generation, you know, that the, the talent, he, the talent he had, if he just maybe channeled it a wee bit more, but, um, I don't think he's got any regrets, but he was the best boy. Charlie would give you his last penny, do you mm. know what I mean? And he was, uh, me and him were tight. We used to room together all the time. Um, and uh, still good pals, you know. Uh, and he had... Uh, he's uh, going by grandpa as well. Which is he a brilliant? brilliant. Uh, brilliant uh. And Dale had a open goal favourite. Charlie McGrew was a young boy as well, didn't you? That's shit. He was wet behind the ears then, wasn't he? Do you know what? He was... He, uh, I love Charlie now when you see him he's, he's and what a sign he's been for Dundee United I mean mm. he's, he could argue have been up there for the running player of the year as well he's that influence on that team but no he was young and he was talented when he came to us and uh, but he used to travel up with us so this was after Andy had left um, Chizzy was the manager I think Chizzy knew uh, got Ch- uh, Big Charlie up by Gordon Chisholm and it was me Mark Kerr uh, Charlie and Alan Archibald he said I think maybe crack, Alan Archibald or Big David McCracken maybe <coughs> we were up and uh, it was Craig Brewster's um, at the time so we were training at midnight uh, <laughs> no <at> five o'clock <laughs> uh, in second session and um, so Charlie was like away and as soon as he got in the motor he was away um, so we're driving down we go back to the little chef at half five and you could see him as we were going around he's like oh no I think I left my keys in the locker no my keys and then he's like, he's turned around, his motor's still sitting. It was the winter and it was like freezing, his motor's defrosted, just sitting with the engine running for half seven. He'd left the keys. Come along, that was a strange thing. I can't believe it was still there. Come along. Uh, but no, uh, but he, was, he, was, he, was, he was a good player. He was always going to have a good career, Charlie. Yeah. Uh, just last week, man, this has been sensational. Uh, St Johnston. So the, the bit where you come into being a manager. So, Aye. so playing, playing at St Johnston at the time. Yeah, so I'd been at Millwall, um, signed a two-year deal. It was my, more relationship with Ray Wilkins at the time, and he's like, "I'm doing." And, and Is he a hero? I heard, but was he? Aye, ah, so it was him and Nigel Spikeman, Willie Donicky, and you know, I'd, I'd an offer for St Johnson before I got it, um, and I'd left in the United and an offer for um, potentially an offer for St Martin with Gus, and then Coyle was like, "Look, two-year deal. Come and help get us up. You'll be captain." Blah blah blah. I said, "Right, okay, it's fine." So. Um, that was all sorted and Coyley phoned me on Monday night and he said, listen, St John's the only way to do it. The only day one year deals for players over 30. And I went, oh, I've played 100 games, over 100 games for Dundee United in three years. It's a two-year deal, Coyley. And he's like, ah, listen, you'll play every week. Just come, you'll get your two years. I said, no, it's two years and we're not doing it. He's like, Dale, I promise you, you'll play every week. So I had a two-year deal on offer for Millwall and, that, and, uh, and I thought, do you know what? It was four or five times the money I was going to offer to St Johnson, but didn't it really suit but I ended up going to Millwall, probably for the wrong reasons when I look back now. And uh, um, so then Ray Wilkins said, look, play the game Saturday, go back up Saturday night, train locally with your team, just come down the Wednesday night. It was a perfect contract, yeah. 35. And I was getting well paid for it. 
but it didn't sit well, mate, it didn't work. That's all fine, that stuff, if you're winning every week. Um, but when you're the captain and there's a post-mortem for losing a game on a Monday and I'm cutting about in Scotland, mm-hmm. so it felt as if I was, uh, my wee boy Harry had just been born, I felt as always been half a husband, half a player, half a captain, half a dad. I just fell short and I ended up signed for St Johnson in the January, I signed for the six months. Um, we nearly got up, we, we Gretna got up that year, we ended up 15 points in January behind, but took it to the last game and we were actually promoted at one point until Gretna scored an injury time. And then Coyler left to go to Burnley in October, I think it was. And Sandy Stewart was assistant. Sandy was taking the, cha- the Challenge Cup final. And he'd asked me to give him a wee home with the training. So we're driving back for the ends. We beat them Fairman and to win the cup. And he says, eh, hey, I'm just got to tell the chairman I'm going with Coyley. I'm joining Burnley tomorrow. And I said, all right, okay. So the phone goes Monday morning. Stuart Duff, chief executive, says, I, um, do you know Sandy's away? And I said, yep. He says, could you take the team, prepare the team for Saturday? I said, yep, fine. He says, we need to get a manager. I said, yeah. And he says, why don't you apply for it? And I says, I hadn't thought about it. And I genuinely hadn't. Well, you hadn't thought about management? I, had, I thought about management. I knew I wanted to be a manager, but I hadn't thought about applying for that job because I just thought that I was just playing. I was taking the reserve team at the time. Right. And see, when I think about it, I don't know why I didn't think about applying for it. I was just... And he said, uh, Jeff wants to speak to you. Um, can you come up tonight at half six? And I said, that's fine. So I drove up. I thought it was just for a chat, six o'clock news, T news, to get the Broxton round about uh, St. Johnston have called a press conference to announce their new manager tomorrow and I'm going, I thought my missus, I was like, by the way, I think they've got a manager. She's, they said they're bringing one out. So because then Jeff Brown's like, do you want to be the manager? And I said, aye, he went, he said, I think you'll be a great manager. He says, I'm offering you the job. And I was like, that was it. He says, I've watched you interact with the players and I didn't know Jeff Brown. I'm one of the old school like, players shouldn't really know all the directors do you know what I mean and, yeah. and, and he says I like the way you are contacts in the game and see the way you are with people he says I think you'll be great and I say so does my money go does it go a manager's contract or is it my players and he says you'll be a player manager we'll give you an increase he says just go and um, we'll announce it tomorrow I said right fine shoot hands real leap of faith for him because I didn't have that much experience but it felt felt good felt right and once I was in I was in do you know what I mean so I loved it what good? What was your best times at St Johnston? Best memories. Winning the league that first year. So <clears throat> um, when we took over, we were bottom half. But that first, the next season, when I managed to make a lot of changes, we we, we won the league, and that was that was pretty special to be honest. Uh, um, the boys were still me, guys Irvin and yeah, uh, Pizzo, uh-huh. uh, Martin Hardy, Kevin Rukovic, you know, Jody Dubs, Alan Main, Stephen, all the boys, Liam Craig, Paul Sheeran. You know, what I mean, we're still we're still in touch. You know, what I mean, it was. Yeah. Uh, Great times at St Johnston. And we went into Premier League. I think we finished eighth in the first season. Then when I left to go to Bristol City the following year, I think we were sitting third or fourth in the league. So it's a good story, St Johnston. Hopefully they get out of it yeah. this season because for the last 15 years, a lot of managers have done well and it's been a good story for them. Yeah. Um, and I'm sure Callum will, will get it sorted. Do see when they're just, we're neat to, that's not like the last of in Bristol City. How do you look back at your time with them? Do you know what? Um, so, I'd felt, I'd re- rejected a couple of jobs in England and I felt when it came, there was a few people saying to me, be careful with Bristol City, they've had four managers in three years. Mm. They were bottom of the league, 10 points adrift, the second bottom when I took over. So, but it was still in October and I still thought it was enough games. Uh, and we took it on and we stayed up and it was probably as good an achievement that, that I've ever had, you know, because... Um, it's a tough league championship. It is. And we, we, we did so well that second half of the season. I signed Chris Wood and Lone, he was brilliant for me. 
um, just through contacts at West Brom and he was outstanding for me and what we should have done in that summer was I should have been kicking and screaming to get rid of more players every list I gave the board about players that needed to be moved on they never really took me on they never it was so hard to deal with because Bristol City was the best club these boys were going to be at they were mm. all well paid and they weren't wanting to go anywhere so we had four different managers signings in a dressing room which was complicated but when the board came to me says look we're trying to reduce we have to reduce financial fair play we need to reduce the playing budget in half so I had to go for like 15 million just over 7 million um, and we want to try and if you need to get rid of the senior players and bring young ones in so we Joe Bryan who's just won promotion again with Fulham made his debut at 16 for me and put Joe on the team Bobby Reid who's just won promotion Yannick Balassi, who was playing in the reserves, nowhere near it. We brought him in. Did here. you bring Balassi in? Uh -huh. Yannick in, yeah. who was brilliant for us. Um, he ended up selling him to Palace oh, when I thought we should have worked harder to keep him. Um, with Albert Doma, who was outstanding. I loved my time at Bristol City. And do you know what? I really loved the club. I, I was desperate to be the guy that got it going. Yeah. But I probably put too much faith in, in the club to, to do what they needed me to do. They said, look, this club's flirted with relegation for too many years. If we go down with Derek McInnes, we come back with Derek McInnes. You help us sort out the financial mess, we'll come back up. We lost a home game just after New Year to Leicester. Leicester ended up going out, they were a brilliant team. I think we lost, it was either 4-1 or 4-9 and get the, the shout after it, going to uh, part ways with this thing. I think we needed a change. And it was a shock. Mm. It shouldn't have been a shock because we're still on the bottom two. Yeah. Um, but after all the conversations I'd had, but, you live and learn and then a few weeks later I get the Aberdeen job so it's uh, evident for a reason you know so it was uh, I look back <clears> with a bit of frustration um, I probably trusted people a bit too much but I still look back and think I could have done things better in terms of um, when I was at my strongest point in Bristol City I should have been far more uh, demanding I and, I, and that's probably what, when I went into Aberdeen with 13, 14 players out a contract and I let go 13 the only boy I gave a contract was big Josh McGuinness um, gave him a contract uh, and I think because I'd been um, maybe kind of fingers burnt at Bristol City I just thought I need to get rid make sure I put my own stamp on this club and that's what I did so if I hadn't had the experience of Bristol I might not have been as forthright at Aberdeen mm. Amazing is, is England something you want to have a crack at again? So I think I would like to I don't think mm. it's it's not something that's I want there's certain things I want to do I want to manage Scotland and there's certain clubs I would love to manage um, but you don't always get what you want but I'm, I'm, I still feel I feel as a better manager now than I am. Mm -hmm. I've still got the enthusiasm. I've still got the, I feel, still got loads to offer, but I've also had loads, I've learned loads as well, you know. So I think uh, management's still the same, no matter what age you are, as long as you have that connection with your, your team and, and you make good signings and recruitment, and you get good support and you've got, because you, we all work for clubs, but you work for people within the clubs. And if the people are right, um, it makes the, hell, the job hell of a lot easier. And um, still loads to do, and I'm still young enough to do it. Dale McInnes, outstanding. Thank you, boys. What a guy. Cheers, mate. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? 
Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com.